1: Each week, at this time, we like to address your questions around Christians and money. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. If you have a question, could be on Christian perspectives, topical investment issues, biblical teachings, practical financial wisdom. Our special guest is Alex Cook. Alex is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Always good to be with you. Hey, Alex, let's start with a listener question that came in over this past week. The question from Andrew says, is tithe before or after tax? And does it have to go to the church? Now, interesting one often comes up in church life. Mm. Uh, What are your thoughts for Andrew?
0: Yeah, no, look, it's a great question, and as you say, it comes up a lot. Funny enough, when we started the Wealth with Purpose ministry, I thought to myself, I really need to get my theology right on this particular topic, because it's going to come up a lot. And in fact, we did some research around um, how often the word tithe was searched for every month, and we discovered that there was 80,000 searches for the word tithe every month. So it's a topic... Uh, that people have a great deal of interest in. And obviously they, in many churches, not all, but in many churches, they hear the word tithe mentioned each week, and therefore they want to know, is this something that they should be doing? You know, Does it still apply today and, and all that kind of thing? Um, so to address the first part of the question, the first part of the question is... Um, You know, is it should your tithe be before or after tax? Um, So obviously, the Bible doesn't speak directly to that issue, uh, and in fact. It, there's a, a, an issue just a, in a practical sense, in the, the sense that tax rates vary from one country to another. So how does one Christian approach it in one country to another? So in one sense, I don't think it's a, a helpful way to think about it, and I want to give you a helpful way to think about it in just a moment. Um, but ultimately, I think this is a heart issue. How much you give and, and where you give to is ultimately a heart issue. And certainly, the Bible very much supports the idea that we uh, you know, give generously to those that minister to us. So that's why giving to your local church is so important to do anyway. So let me say that up front. But basically there are two main theological positions that I hear today. The first one is what I would call sort of a more traditional Old Testament tithe type message, where you give 10% of your income into the church. Um, Often what's sort of forgotten from that is that in the Old Testament times there were actually three tithes. The first one went to the Levites, the second one for festivals, and the third tithe was actually a a tie that occurred every three years, and that was for the poor. And, of course, that kind of message is not taught in churches. It's more just that you give 10%. That's, and that's a, that's a very common one, I would say, from at least 50% of the churches that I've worked with. The second one is what I would call more a New Testament approach, and that is that as Christians we're called to be generous and you should give a generous gift to your uh, local church. Um, and when we look in the words of both Jesus and Paul in the New Testament, you essentially find that they are very, almost silent on this issue. Jesus mentions it a couple of times, but if you look at the context, so in one context when Jesus mentions tithing, it's actually him rebuking the Pharisees because he said, you tithe and you do all these other things, but you don't show love. And so the context of that was about the Pharisees and how they were hypocrites, not to do with the fact that they actually tithe or not. Now, some people say, because he said that, therefore you should still tithe today. Um, I don't think you could actually draw that conclusion, but that's one nonetheless. Um, Then Paul himself, if you look at all the passages in in the the books um, uh, that Paul wrote, the letters to the Corinthians and so forth, they're very much... um, around the idea of generosity and that Christians use what God has put in their hands to live generously. So to summarize though, my my theological position is very simply this, all the money that you have is God's money. That's the first thing. The second thing is you are called to be a steward of what God has put into your hands. And therefore you need to work out um, and, and be guided and led by the Holy Spirit to how much you're gonna give And to whom you are going to give and I do think your local church very much should be part of that Um, I don't like percentages for the simple fact that I think it's very limiting I don't believe Christians should only give 10% why not give 20% if you're earning a lot of money um, why not give more so I don't think the percentages is helpful but I do think we are called to live radically generous lives and live in light of eternity and therefore we should give generously and that of course includes giving generously to your local church so I hope that
1: helps. <laughs> Alex, when we talk tithe, it is controversial for some because uh, when you get into some deeper study of the Scriptures, you come up with those sorts of ideas that you've presented there now. Uh, for the newcomer to their faith, you know, someone who's just newly joined a church, uh, they see an offering bag coming around each week and they're saying, well, uh, what's this thing about tithe? Uh, the idea of a 10% Uh, that's the sort of starting point for a lot of people Mm. when we come into church life. I mean, having somewhere to start, that's where you would start with a tithe, isn't it? Absolutely. So what we teach in our courses
0: is what we call the 80-10-10 rule. And that is that the first 10% of your giving should be what we call giving to God, and so I think 10% as you say is a very good place to start. And of course, I think the church, being for most people, that's their spiritual home. That's where um, you know God uses the local church as one of the primary vehicles for the advance of the gospel. And so I think it, that's a great place for it to start. But as I say, I, I don't think it should limit you. Um, I think because you know some people think it's like ticking a box. You know, you give 10%. You're done. You've done your Christian obligation and that's it. But I think the heart of it is actually far greater than that. And that is that really we are called to live in light of eternity, uh, to glorify God with every dollar he gives us uh, and
1: use it wisely, accordingly. And so, yeah, 10% is a good starting point. Some people talk about first fruits, the idea, and that gets a context perhaps a little more accurate, that uh, it is all gods, uh, but we give of that first I mean, and some people, I guess, will uh, will get, uh, you know, some more uh, defined way of talking about what first fruits means and there's historic precedents and things like that. But this idea that it all belongs to God, uh, we start somewhere that's with the first and the best. Is that the way you'd think of giving to God? Absolutely. And, and I think
0: you can apply that from both Old and New Testament. So in the Old Testament, in Proverbs 3 verse 9, it says, honour the Lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So there's a couple of key principles in that. And the first is that you need to honour the Lord with your wealth. So now a lot of people get nervous by the word wealth because they think they're not wealthy. (laughs) But the reality is we all have some degree of wealth, whether it's a little or a lot, and we are called to honour God with that. In other words, we've got to show respect for God, we've got to revere him, uh, we've got to obey him, and we honour him by, you know, by giving uh, giving our money, and then of course the, the second part of that is this first fruits concept, and it's the idea of giving the first of what you earn. And in the in the the historical context, it was of course the first of your agricultural production, because most people, of course, lived subsistence lives back then. It's very different today, but if you took a New Testament uh, concept that I think is very similar, and that's Matthew six thirty three, and that's really it says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So the idea there is, of course, you're putting God first in your life and, of course, that includes money too. And so whether you take the Old or the New Testament, I think you still come to the same conclusion that God needs to be first uh, with our money. Uh, And therefore, from a practical perspective, I say to Christians, you know, do your household budget. And I know that's a word that often makes people cringe doing a budget, but the, the key to a budget is just knowing where your money is going. And when you do your budget, what you want to do is work out, well, How can I give the first and the best, first portion of my budget to God as your first act of stewardship? So I think that's a really um, useful way of thinking about it. And I I like to be... I don't like to be legalistic about these things and look with people who are new to church I'd say one idea is to start with incremental giving you know build your way up you know you know being generous is not something that comes naturally to most of us and so it's something you want to build up over time as you as you learn to trust in God as you build your faith and as you see the the ramifications of eternity because ultimately we're here for a very short time and we want to win as many people uh, for Jesus as possible and that often takes you know financial resources to do so and so when you get the heart of why you're giving as opposed to just giving out of some sort of obligation when you get that heart of it then to me you'll, you'll start stepping out of faith and living much more generously.
1: This is such a powerful and profound concept, isn't it, Uh, when you're talking about the heart of giving because it's so easy to have an immediate reaction that says, uh, well, this is what I'm being asked for and this is the percentage that I get to keep myself. This heart of giving, if you appreciate that, takes us beyond uh, the percentages, takes us beyond the hard and fast rules, and actually takes you into something of what God says about not only our money, but our whole life, because our whole life is to be first before God. Mm, Exactly right, and one of
0: the things that does scare me when I hear occasional theology around, it's what I call the give-to-get theology, where the focus is on if I give, if I tithe, I'll get X. Um, And you see that often when people quote Malachi 3 and and things like that. Um, But the thing about a lot of these things is they're true in the sense that God does want to bless his people. God is a loving father who wants good for his children. And when we're obedient, that does open us up to being blessed. So when you're disobedient, of course, the reverse is true. But I always say to people that when it comes to giving, you give because you love God. You love what he's done for you. You are so thankful for what he's done and you're so keen (laughs) that you want other people to hear that message as well Um, and when we do that that's when we're sort of unlocking the generosity because when we're giving for the right reasons because we want to see God's kingdom advanced we have a hunger for souls that's when I think God will bless you because he knows he can trust you he knows that you're on board for all the right reasons
1: uh, one of those great reformers of the history of the church, Martin Luther, is believed to have said that there are three conversions, the head, the heart, and the wallet, in that order. Have uh, you, you <laughs> thought through those sorts of things, Alex? Oh, uh, absolutely. In fact, um,
0: funnily enough, um, I, I, I know a friend of mine uh, has done a lot of research for the church And uh, in fact, I think it was uh, Willow Creek in the US did some research here. And they basically said there's four sort of categories of Christian believer. Someone who is new to faith, someone who's growing in faith, someone who's uh, close to God, and then someone who, or close to Christ, if you like, and then someone who is Christ-centered. They were the four categories. And basically, there are different measures. Someone who's willing to give their time, someone who's willing to um, share their faith, and then someone who's willing to share their money. They were some of the, if you like, the responses to the different levels of maturity. And funnily enough, money only started to increase when someone became Christ-centered. So it really is the last thing that gets converted, and it is a journey. It's a faith step. And of course, you know, we live in a world that's bombarding us uh, to tell us to spend money on things that don't matter and things that don't last. And so the tension, I think, for Christians to live in, is how do you enjoy what God's given you? Because He's a loving Father; He does want you to enjoy what He's given you, but then also to live a generous life where you're focused on things that are, are going to last forever, as opposed to just the here and now. And so there's a tension, I think, we'll always live with. And you know, as we get more mature, as we spend more time in God's Word, and as we we see just how important it is, you know, I look around Australia and. and you know, hearing Neil, a lot of the people you interview on 2020, you know, Australia is not going in the right direction as a nation. And therefore, the, the urgency of the gospel is profound. And therefore, it's going to take Christians being generous and willing to resource the gospel and resource people who can get out there and share the message as much
1: as possible. So, interesting. yeah, critical. An interesting dimension here just to bring into the mix, Alex, because we can often talk about our money, and you can say, well, 100% of money that I have that I am uh, stewarded to give. Um, but what about the other dimension of time? Because a lot of people say, well, I don't have a lot of money to give, but I've got time on my hands. I can invest time. Does time equate to money how do you talk about the way we will dedicate time into things uh but then is that actually valuable time it is um i always get slightly nervous though because
0: sometimes i find people say to me alex i like to give my time but i don't have any money and sometimes the way it comes across is is there is that they're trying to make an excuse um, i'm not sure which famous preacher it was but um The implication is that we're stewarding three main things, what they call the three T's. You're stewarding your time, of which we don't know how much we've got. You're stewarding our talents, okay? And the reality is all of us are blessed with different talents and different gifts that God wants us to use. And, of course, we're blessed with treasure, and of course, we all have different amounts of that. And then, when we look at in in the scripture, and in particular the parable of the talents, which is also called the parable of the gold bags, depending which version you read, there's very much a responsibility on um, the person who's received that gift that whether it's as I say, whether it's treasure or time or talents, it's very much a responsibility to use those. Um, to get a return on that investment so if god's given you certain talents he's given you lots of spare time or he's given you lots of treasure you have a responsibility to get a return on those things Um, but coming back to sort of your initial point though and that is that is time important yes it is but so long as we don't use it as an excuse to not give as well So I think you've got to do all three. Ask yourself, how much time has God given me? How much talent has he given me? And how much treasure? And God, what do you want me to do with all three of these things that you've given me?
1: Alex, we might come back each week to just a little extra on the wisdom that we might be able to glean from Proverbs in the Bible. But uh, your thoughts here, just for listeners who are thinking, when I read through Proverbs, there's an awful lot about money. Is that changing me as I read through those? Is that wisdom permeating my understanding of what it is to live before God? What are your uh, What's your encouragement for listeners uh, about reading through pro- Proverbs and uh, and taking note of those? Oh, look, absolutely! In
0: fact, I always joke a proverb a day keeps the devil away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Look, Proverbs is my favourite book because it's just got so much meat in it. Um, but to me, I think the key thing is is to read it regularly, firstly. Uh, in fact, I, I'd encourage people to read the Bible every day, but read Proverbs regularly. Um, and ask yourself the question, how can I implement this? Because there are so many key principles in there. Um, there's for example, there's con- and we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, but there's concepts like honesty. Are you honest with your money? There's concepts like helping the poor, very big emphasis in Proverbs on that. So how are you using your money to help the poor? So I think the key thing here to, to anyone listening is I'd say is read the Proverbs and, and then say, how can I apply this to my life? What is it do I need to change about my Daily, the way I manage my money on a daily basis to align it with God's word, to align it with the wisdom of Proverbs, because here's the good news: the good news is if you align your finances with God's word, you're putting yourself into a fantastic uh, position um, of protection. Particularly, you know, I believe that God protects people's finances when they're obedient uh, when and when they do things His way. Like, pr- for example, one very simple one. Proverbs says, um, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the slave of the lender. So there's a warning message there. The warning message is be careful about how much debt you get into. So if you follow wisdom like that in Proverbs, then that will hopefully flow through into your daily finances. You won't get enslaved to debt. And of course, therefore, you'll have an abundance and a surplus that you can use to be generous. So yes, read Proverbs regularly, and make sure you you sit back and say, how do I apply this, Lord, to my daily, daily world?
1: Well, Alex, we're all interested in money. As Christians, we're interested in God's view of our money and uh, really appreciate your insights. Uh, let me point people to how they can be in contact with you. Uh, Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. The Wealth With Purpose website, wealthwithpurpose.com. You can get free eBooks, the My Toolkit. There are free videos. There's podcast content there. You can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. And there is a particular uh, email address called askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. Uh, if you have a question you'd like to address... Uh, to see addressed uh, here on 2020. Uh, You can also leave a question on the 2020 Facebook post, which is all about Ask Alex. Alex, great getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for updating us today on 2020.
0: My pleasure. Look forward to next time.
1: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.